Hi, I'm Mark Chavez. I'm one of the hosts of Let's Make a, a comedy docuseries podcast about the creative process. Each season, my co-hosts, Ryan Beal, Maddie Kelly, and I, take on an artistic challenge and you follow our journey. In Let's Make a Sci-Fi, we wrote a science fiction TV pilot. In Let's Make a Rom-Com, we wrote a romantic comedy film. And on our latest season, Let's Make a Horror, we produced a horror short film. And when we run into trouble, we interview Hollywood experts. People who have worked on big things like The Blair Witch Project, The Office, Star Wars, Mamma Mia, and more. All three seasons of Let's Make a are available now, wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This podcast is an extended version of The Debaters, which may contain more mature themes. To stream the radio-friendly version of this episode, download the CBC Listen app or go to cbc.ca slash the debaters. And thanks for listening to the CBC. Hey, Canada! We're ready to take the reins of the chuckle wagon from the home of the stampede in Calgary, Alberta. It's the debaters! The debaters, where comedians fight with facts and funny, and this audience picks the winner. Now, here's a man who loves to rodeo clown around, Steve Patterson. Hey, hello, Canada. Welcome back to the debaters. We're here in Calgary, home of the world-renowned Calgary Stampede. Huh? Yeah. It's a boot-stomping, lasso-throwing, bronco-busting good time. And that's just at the pancake breakfast. <laughs> this past summer, almost 165,000 people set a record for first day attendance. Yes! <laughs> it also set a record for most truck nuts in a parking lot. True story. And kudos to the volunteer who verified that, by the way. Who counted all the trucks that were there and then just simply multiplied by two. <laughs> now it's time to meet a couple of debaters who will not disappoint. This comic believes that the Flat Earth Society is losing its sphere of influence. It's Victoria's Katie Ellen Humphrey. There she is, Katie Ellen, back in the saddle. Taking her place behind the lectern to my right. And this comic can always read the room. It's Vancouver's Aaron Reed. Aaron Reed coming out here. Thank you. He's taking his spot behind the podium to my left. Your topic is one that's sure to be a squeaker. Rats, are they really vermin? <laughs> One of the things that Alberta boasts is that it is rat-free. Way to go! Way to go, Alberta! You may not have rats, but apparently Calgary is lousy with giant rabbits? Am I reading that correctly? <laughs> Though right now, a rare disease is making those rabbits disappear. Or maybe there's an overachieving giant magician in your midst. We may never know, because no one here is a rat. <laughs> now it's time for a debate that should give us all something to gnaw on. So, whereas they're dirty, can spread disease, and are costly to remove, be it resolved that rats are vermin. 
Katie Ellen, you are arguing for this, please. You have two minutes, starting now. Katie Ellen Humphreys. Alberta has given us a lot. The Caesar, Nathan Fillion, a third thing I assume is also best served bottomless. <laughs> but the province's top qualities are perhaps what it lacks. No provincial sales tax. <laughs> Zero threat of tsunami. And best of all, no rats. Rats are such a menace that if an Alberta resident even thinks they might have seen one, there is an email, a toll-free number, or they can contact their local agricultural fieldman office. In 2019, Alberta had a syphilis outbreak. <laughs> And if anyone in the province thinks they see evidence of that, their only course of action is to just continue to enjoy Stampede. <laughs> A typical house rat will spawn an average of 108 babies per year. Rats are the Nick Cannon of rodents. <laughs> A group of rats is called a mischief, which makes it sound like, at worst, they're gonna toilet paper your house. Based on the damage done, they should be called something more threateningly accurate, like a scourge or a bachelorette. <laughs> a rat's teeth never stop growing, like an old man's ear hair. Rats don't want to chew the baseboards of your house or your car battery. They have to. As sure as Calgary weather will go from hot to cold quicker than me when a date asks to go Dutch, <laughs> rats are vermin. Thank you. Katie Ellen Humphreys does not like rats. Thank you, Katie Ellen. Now, here to explain his rat rationale, let's hear from Aaron Ratty Reed. Thank you. Hello, Calgary. I am here to defend rats. Even though I don't know much about them and I've never even owned one as a pet. So why am I an expert? Well, that's because I've been told many times that to the general public, I already give off a pretty strong rat guy vibe already. Pretty strong. But I've grown to learn and love rats. Why do we hate rats? What, they steal food, fornicate in public, some of them pop out of toilets. We let first year university students do the same thing every fall. Yeah. And they get a degree after their reign of terror. <laughs> Plus, like college students, rats are only in your town for about four years, and only two if they're not that smart. <laughs> sure, we've had some bad times. The plague? Oh, that was rough. <laughs> that was a bad one. Yeah. 
Yeah, millions of people died. And sure, rats did start the Black Death, okay? But it was spread by a lack of human hygiene. So that just means that rats in the Middle Ages were a bit misguided when they were just trying to tell humans that uh, it's okay to bathe Bartholomew. <laughs> you too, Sebastian, you've been in the fields all day. Y'all stink like the royal lavatory after meat pie night at the castle. <laughs> it's a history joke. <laughs> but that was a long time ago, okay? And now rats and humans, we get along. We actually have a science relationship called commensalism. And that's where uh, rats don't really benefit us at all, but they don't harm us in any way. So consider rats to be like that one cousin you know absolutely nothing about, you know? <laughs> or a clueless spouse in a sparkless marriage, right? <laughs> Sure, you don't like being around them, you know, but are they really hurting anyone? <laughs> no, so let them breed and let them be in your town. Thank you, Steve, I yield my time. <laughs> Aaron Reed, taking up the argument on behalf of the rats. All right, debaters, it is time now to ratify the bare knuckle round. We're debating whether rats are really vermin, so deliver biting jokes and really let the fur fly. You'll want to make a rodent in your opponent's argument. <laughs> so keep your rat trap clean and don't turn into a sewer mouth. Let's begin this rat race to the finish now. I'd like to say, Katie Allen, you shame rats for having 108 babies. But what do these little ones do? You know, mostly not hurt us, stay in the darkness. They only last four years, right? What do human babies do? They turn into adults. Adults who become hedge fund managers, career politicians, okay? Social media influencers. I'd rather live with 108 rats than have to listen to one second of a 22-year-old tell me how I can breathe my mental illness away. They're the real vermin. You raise an excellent point, but more than one thing can be vermin. <laughs> you aptly compared first-year university students to vermin, and I don't think that makes the case you think it does. <laughs> like, yeah, we do tolerate first years, but they're not not vermin. <laughs> Go dinos. <laughs> What is one way that rats have helped humanity? Oh, I don't know. Remy from Ratatouille. <laughs> uh, Splinter from the Ninja Turtles taught those turtles how to talk. How about Chuck E. Cheese? Chuck E. Cheese's middle name is E for entertainment, and that's real, okay? disrespect to Master Splinter, but for an old dude, he spent a lot of time with teenagers. It's hard to make friends when you're a big rat, okay? Okay, that's a good place to stop it. That's the fair enough around, everybody. It's time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on whether rats are vermin, brought to you by the Rat Tail Haircut. 
rat tail haircut. The only hairdo most people avoid like the plague. <laughs> a study at the University of Japan found that when on board a sinking ship, not only will rats try to escape, but they will try to do what other thing? Aaron? Take a selfie with the boat hole. <laughs> Incorrect. Katie Ellen? They will make love for the first time in the back of a Coupe de Ville. <laughs> when on board a sinking ship, not only will rats try to escape, they will also try to save their fellow rats. <laughs> See? Isn't that nice? What event in 2007 led to a surge in children's requests to own rats as pets? Aaron. Uh, when uh, Chuck E. Cheese and Ratatouille uh, won the MTV Teen Choice Award for Best Kiss. <laughs> You're not that far off. <laughs> Katie Ellen. The release of the blockbuster hit, Ratman Forever. <laughs> I like that. It was the release of the film, Ratatouille. So, Aaron, despite your best efforts, you get half a point. Enjoy it. <laughs> what characteristic of rats makes them better than mice for scientific behavioral experiments? Katie Ellen. They're grosser. <laughs> Not what I have here, but I'll give a point for that. Aaron? Uh, the key characteristic is stamina because unlike mice, rats can actually handle their cocaine, okay? It's a pretty big reaction, Calgary. <laughs> the characteristics of rats that makes them better than mice for scientific behavioral experiments, rats' behavior more closely resembles humans. Nice, that's a comforting thought. <laughs> the term varmint is not actually the same as vermin because varmint also refers to what types of creatures? Aaron? Uh, brunch girlies the morning after Mojito Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a point. I feel like that's a real thing. <laughs> Katie Ellen Humphreys? Varmint also includes those that put milk back in the fridge empty. Fair enough. Fair enough. My wife gives you two points for that one. <laughs> Varmint also refers to larger predators like weasels or coyotes or anything Yosemite Sam chases. <laughs> That's the firing line, everybody. It's almost time for this audience to vote. But first, here again to remind us that rats spelled backwards is star. Let's hear again from Aaron Reed. Thank you. If my incredible Wikipedia research has not swayed you in this debate, <laughs> let me address the capybara in the room. Physical appearance. Yeah, okay, the teeth are weird, and that tail, no good, and uh, how come they always look wet? I don't get that at all. <laughs> But if you don't like rats because you think they're gross, here, use my system for figuring out whether a creature is cute or ugly. If you could put a tiny hat on it and it works, that's a cute creature. <laughs> Rat, cute. Snake, I'm charmed. Great white shark, <laughs> the contrast is hilarious. 
The only creatures that my rule doesn't work for are eels and conservative party leader Pierre Polyev. <laughs> Because eels, I mean, you could throw an elf hat on an eel, it'll still look evil. And uh, you can dress up Pierre Polyev however you want, but he's always gonna look like a guy who doesn't want you to see his other computer. <laughs> Thank you, Steve, I you my time. Aaron Reed, ladies and gentlemen. With a great closing argument that we're going to be sure to get out there before the next election. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> now, here to tell us why, when it comes to rats, she believes that V is for vendetta to vanquish the vermin. Once again, it's Katie Ellen Humphreys. Rats are not native to North America. They arrived on British ships and spread west as the country was settled making them the worst type of vermin, colonizers. <laughs> Rats want to gentrify your fields, destroy your crops, and set up their artisanal small plate trash eateries. Plus, they're nocturnal, like vampires and DJs. <laughs> like those vermin, you might think a rat is cute, do I want to see a rat DJ? Sure. I assume they would play the band Rat. Maybe some Bonnie Raitt, out of confusion. <laughs> but like a vampire or a DJ, if you let even one in your house, it's infested. Thank you. Katie Allen Humphreys says rats our vermin, Aaron Reed, says the opposite, and it is up to our Calgary audience to decide by applause who agreed with Aaron that rats are really first-rate and require rodential rethinking. Aaron Reed. Yeah. A lot of love for Aaron. And how many of you ran with Katie Ellen's rat-infested anti-rat rant, Katie Ellen Humphrey? But the winner in his very first debate is Aaron Reed. Rats are not vermin. Big hand for Aaron Reed and Katie Ellen Humphreys, everybody. You're listening to The Debaters on CBC Radio 1. Want to be a part of the debating action? For upcoming tour dates, visit cbc.ca slash the debaters. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to meet your next pair of debaters? Listen to that, Canadians, are ready. This comic wanted to buy a small horse but had trouble ponying up. It's Saskatchewan's Dakota Ray Hebert. Dakota, come on out, Dakota. Whoa. Dakota looks serious. 
Big boots, big hat, big jacket, showing it off. It's just left the coat on the stage. Someone will pick that up, I'm sure. And this comic recently appeared as King Arthur in the medieval rom-com, You've Got Chainmail. <laughs> Let's welcome Edmonton's Peter Brown. Peter Brown, one of our favorites, hopping onto the stage in an imaginary horse. Hello, good people of Calgary. And the rest of you. <laughs> this topic, we think, will make you brim with excitement. The cowboy hat. Is it the best of all hats? Yeah. Is it? Calgary is obviously the perfect place for this debate, as it's the one place in the world where you can be white-hatted, an honor where you're given a brand-new white cowboy hat and repeat an oath making you an honorary Calgarian. The fact that I know this is because I was white-hatted by then-mayor, this is true, by then-mayor Nehed Nenshi after a debater's taping here a while back. It's a real honor. It really is. But unfortunately, uh, cowboy hats don't fit into suitcases. So for my flight home, I had to wear it <laughs> through the Calgary airport where staff also wear similar white hats. <laughs> so just want to say my apologies again to the people I sent the wrong way for international flights, <laughs> some of whom may still be wandering the Calgary airport. Time now for our debaters to tell each other where to go. So, whereas its iconic, practical, and stylish design has stood the test of time, be it resolved, the cowboy hat is the best type of hat. Dakota, you're arguing for this. You have two minutes starting now, please. Dakota Ray Hebert. Calgary, this is going to be the rootinest. Tootinist debate here on Treaty 7 territory. <laughs> Since the dawn of time, creatures have been seeking super cool ways to seek their own shade. <laughs> Dinosaurs had wicked fern leaves and stuff. <laughs> Cave people had woolly mammoth top hats, I assume. And modern humans have decked out flat beak snapbacks to showcase their identities. In addition to the flat beak snapback is the ever-personalized cowboy hat. They come in all shapes and colors. You know, you could wear it wide and tall and dark for maximum shadiness. You could wear it short and slim and light for maximum daintiness. You can wear the plastic straw version right out of your beer cube for maximum coolness. <laughs> the cowboy hat is also a rite of passage. One week before the Calgary Stampede, young men are given their first cowboy hats and become real men. <laughs> Young ladies are given their first cowboy hats and become horse girls. <laughs> and I, a two-spirited queerdo, was given a cowboy hat 
and became more approachable in my small town community. <laughs> The cowboy hat is a majestic topper. It keeps the sun out of your eyes and off your neck. It keeps the dust out of your mouth and nose. If it rains, you have a hands-free umbrella. And at small town rodeos, it helps gangly dorks get laid. <laughs> to my dearest cowboy hat, I can't quit you. <laughs> Dakota Ray Hebert, everybody. On behalf of the cowboy hat. Now, to tell us why he's somebody with a cowboy hat hate on, for anybody with a cowboy hat on, let's welcome Edmonton's Peter Brown. Hello. Quick translation. Howdy. Look, um... I didn't want to do this. Um, okay, Peter Brown's got his own hat. I look ridiculous in a cowboy <laughs> hat. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but so do most of you. <laughs> when you put on a cowboy hat, you are sending a clear message. You're telling the world. I'm an office worker at Stampede and I'm hammered. Check out my shiny Wrangler blue jean slacks I have never worn before. I like pancakes. Some cowboy hats say, hi, I'm that one guy in the village people. Others say, I'm a federal politician trying to look folksy at Stampede. Like Justin Trudeau, the gender parody kid. Does anyone remember Stephen Harper in his cowboy hat and leather vest that was both too tight and too loose? <laughs> That's on you, Calgary. That's on you and your hat. <laughs> yes, some people wear them well. Working ranchers, some country singers, everyone else. We see you in your hat and we go, oh, you're a rootin' tootin' cowboy, like we do to a four-year-old on Halloween. <laughs> There's a tradition that you shouldn't put a cowboy hat on a bed. Is that some chivalry thing? Is it a charming story? Nope. That goes back to the days when people bathed once a month and didn't want lice from their hats to infect the bed. <laughs> I bet your school marm didn't learn you that. Thank you. Peter Brown is against cowboy hats. I've never had a debater bring their point home so quickly with a prop, but that does look ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I found the roar of laughter very validating. <laughs> we all pity the radio listener at this point. <laughs> it's time now. For the bare knuckle round, we are debating whether the cowboy hat is just the tops. So don't horse around. <laughs> it's time to stir up some trouble, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Make this your last straw and tell us all how it felt. 
time to raise up the brim to win now. Uh, my uh, worthy opponent makes a lot of claims for cowboy hats, among them their aphrodisiac effects. You say that cowboy hats help gangly dorks get laid? Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> as true as cows moo. <laughs> What on earth are you writing down? Oh, I'm taking some notes for a friend. <laughs> oh, a friend. Bless your heart. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just happy to hear this very promising note for a nec the next generation of dorks. All those gangly dorks out there. Gangly dorks. Yeehaw, dorks. Oh, hey. No, the dialect here is different. It's pronounced Yahoo. Oh, okay. Uh, let me give that a try. Um, how was Stampede? Uh, normal. Bunch of yahoos dressed up like cowboys. Yeah, that is better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's the bare knuckle round, everybody. <laughs> Time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on cowboy hats brought to you by the 10-gallon hat, or as it's known in Canada, the 37.8541 liter hat. According to BernardHats.com, what should you never allow to happen to your cowboy hat? Dakota? You never let it be used as a bowl for soup. <laughs> Only a bowl for chips. That's good sense. Two points. Peter Brown. You should never allow anyone to hold your cowboy hat up to their ear like a seashell, because they'll hear all the secrets you cried into it at night. <laughs> so far, I'm worried they don't like me. <laughs> also, also, two points to the man with the large head and the small hat. <laughs> According to BernardHats.com, you should never allow anyone to see the inside of your hat. <laughs> That's all I got. I was hoping there'd be more, too. <laughs> Pulitzer Prize-winning author James A. Michener wrote, first buy a cowboy hat and boots, then you're on your way to being a what? Peter? You're on your way to being alone in your 40s, divorced. <laughs> The audience is given five points for that one. That's a big answer. <laughs> Dakota Ray. You're on your way to jail because you also need a shirt and pants. <laughs> <laughs> five points for that one, too. Good answer. <laughs> the actual answer is you're on your way to being a Texan, but I liked your answers better. That's the firing line, everybody. It is almost time for our glorious theater audience to pick a winner, but first, here again to tell us why his interpretation of the term hat trick would be to make all cowboy hats disappear. Let's hear again from the well-proportioned craniumed <laughs> Peter Brown. Thank you, Steve. Very kind words. The cowboy hat is less safe than the bike helmet, less cool, than the bucket hat or the kangle hat, less sexy than the beret, 
less retro-stylish than the fedora, and less universally Canadian than the toque. When a celebrity goes out in public and they want to blend in, what do they wear? A baseball hat. It's the most popular hat in the world. It's inexpensive. It's adjustable. It's easy to store. You put on a baseball hat, you're telling the world, I'm a normal person. <laughs> the cowboy hat is the opposite. So much so that we have a saying, a common saying in English, about people who try to pass themselves off as something and they do not fool anybody. We say that person is all hat, no cattle. Vote for me, you skeevy buckaroos. <laughs> Peter Brown, he seems to have won some people over, but let's see, now here to tell us why she thinks anyone wearing a cowboy hat has got it made in the shade. Let's hear again from Dakota Ray Hebert. Well, now that was quite the giddy up. <laughs> This little Butch Cassidy <laughs> believes that the cowboy hat is for attention seekers. I mean, heck yeah, can I get a heck yeah? <laughs> Peacocking has been proven time and time again to be a successful mating call. <laughs> we attention seek to procreate, and we procreate so we have enough use to run our dang rodeos. <laughs> and because we love a cowboy hat love story. Oh yes, when two cowboy hat wearing sons of guns meet and fall in love and make a family, they're turning their yeehaws into weehaws. <laughs> the cowboy hat. It brings people together like drinking saloons and PNE tunes. Thank you. Dakota Ray Hebert. She says the cowboy hats bring people together. Peter Brown says they keep them apart. That's what it boils down to. Audience, it's up to you to pick a winner. By applause, we thought Peter's anti-cowboy hat patter was something they could get their heads around. Peter Brown. <laughs> Oh, a little tip of the hat from Peter. And who tipped their hats to Dakota's cowboy hat homily, Dakota Ray Hebert? Well, the audience has spoken. The cowboy hat stays. The winner is Dakota Ray Hebert. Big hand for Dakota and Peter Brown, everybody. Well, that's all for this week. I'm Steve Patterson saying if anyone knows how to keep a cowboy hat on perfectly level, I'm all ears. I'll argue with you again soon, Canada. Good night! The Debaters is created by Richard Side. This week's episode was produced by Nicole Callender, Chloe Edbrook, Dean Jenkinson, and Graham Clark. With continuity by Graham Clark, Diana Francis, and Gary Jones. Technical production by James Perella and Corey Haberstock. Story editing by Gary Jones. With special thanks to Katie Ellen Humphreys and David Pride. And the executive producer of CBC Radio Comedy is Lee Pitts. Hey, Debaters fans. Want to see Peter Brown in his cowboy hat? Check out our Instagram at, at @cbcdebaters. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.